What is a mastermind? Some say a brilliant thinker with original ideas. Others, a safe space for communication. I say both. Join me, Letitia Cotto, as I chop it up with some of the dopest masterminds in the music business. We talk music, mindset, and everything in between. Let's get it poppin'. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Letitia Cotto. Welcome to the latest episode of the Music Mastermind Podcast. I am so excited that you're joining me. This is the perfect podcast to listen to while you are doing life. So whether you are doing the dishes, cleaning up around the house, you are in your car during your daily commute, I do try to keep it to the point, but I'm going to keep it real with you. I am very talkative. I'm loquacious. I love to give context and tremendo tangents and set up the story as well as share wisdom and um, insight, perspective and experience. So there's never a dull moment with me (laughs) is what I mean to say. Uh, So this is a perfect podcast to habit stack as you are going about your day. And I do want to throw out the disclaimer that I want you to take what resonates with you. Uh, really be open to everything that I say and share and everything that you hear um, in a podcast episode. Try it on and see how it resonates with you. And then take what works for you and throw away what doesn't. At the end of the day, I want you to use your critical thinking skills. And I believe that you are capable of creating a life, a career, and a belief system that supports you and feels 100% authentic to you. So I don't want you to take anything that you hear from anyone on the podcast as, oh, this is the only way. There are many perspectives. There are many ways up the mountain. And you have been gifted this beautiful life to really design and create something uh, that is true to who you are. And that really is a process. It is an evolution. And there are things that I am, you know, rereading you know, for the 10th time that I'm experiencing differently uh, than when I initially read it. And I think that, you know, life has many layers uh, that you peel back over time that may not make sense in a certain period, but then over time you're like, oh, and you can have a different experience with it as long as you stay open. So I just wanted to throw that out there to you um, as I share my story, my perspective and my wisdom. So I talked a little bit about my journey and our first episode together, but I did want to go into a specific time period and give you the story where my mind was at and then the clarity that I have all these years later and the ways in which I'm able to connect the dot that I couldn't do at that time. And the reason why I think it's so important for me to share this is because pretty soon we're going to drop the first guest interview episode with none other than salsa music legend Sergio George, El Maestro Sergio George. Now, Serge is big time in the world of Latin music, in the world of tropical music, salsa music. He has left his mark and worked with the best of the best in the business. And so um, I'm super excited to have him on the podcast Uh, And Serge has been my mentor for many moons now. In fact, he was the first person to give me my official chance in the music business. And 
Um, I learned so much about music, the music business, life, marketing, you name it. I learned so much during the time that I worked with Serge and I count him as one of my greatest blessings and um, one of my mentors that even to this day, you know, when we catch up, he may not even know the specifics of what's going on in my life. And he speaks a word into me that I need at that moment that he doesn't even realize that that that's what he's doing. And so um, we recorded the episode this past Tuesday and it's being edited and whatnot. Um, but after that recording, you know, I've just been in a state of self-reflection and marinating on what he says in the episode. I'm so excited. You absolutely need to check it out. Um, but it has also taken me to a specific time in my own music career that I want to share with you today. And it got me thinking about, you know, when I was first trying to get into the business and where my mind was at the time and, and all of the things that happened. And it's easy for me now because so many years have passed to look at my life and my career and the way that things unfolded and to see the divine intelligence and divine timing of everything. But truth be told, <laughs> as I was experiencing and living the moment, it did not feel like that at all. It felt like I was flying a plane that I'd never flown before. And while I'm flying, the plane is being built and I have no idea where we're headed. <laughs> like what? And spoiler alert, especially for all you college students and aspiring music business professionals and just human beings in general, that is the reality of life and business is that you are in a plane flying the plane as it's being built, and you're not really sure about your destination. And you may think, okay, we're flying here, but then all of a sudden you have to pivot and make a left turn to go somewhere else. And it's not that that experience ever changes. It's that you get better at dealing with it, right? Because you get experience under your belt and you develop the tools and the mindset and frameworks that help you to cope with that reality and that uncertainty, because that's truly what life is and what <laughs> your career is, especially in the music business. And so this was my first attempt at flying the plane. And, um, <laughs> I uh, was stressed out, <laughs> to put it nicely. Um, so to give you some context, like I said in the first episode, I'm originally from Waco, Texas. And upon graduation, got a full scholarship to Agnes Scott College in Decatur, Georgia, which is on the east side of Atlanta. Shout out Agnes Scott. Um, and I loved it because I had a tight-knit community. I had a, a school that gave me a top-notch education, and the teacher-to-student ratio was crazy small. So I got a lot of intention and a lot of people pouring into me. And the school is located in a metropolitan city. So I also had access to opportunities and events, and I didn't feel like I was missing out. I got the best of both worlds. And so during my senior year, that last semester, spring semester, I did an internship at the Atlanta chapter of the Recording Academy. Now, the Recording Academy is best known for the annual Grammy Awards show, which is one of the most prestigious awards any music creative can ever get. 
Why? Because it is your music peers who vote for you. So a lot of people know the Recording Academy, and even if you've never heard of the Recording Academy per se, I'm pretty sure you know most people on the earth know what a Grammy is. And what you may not know about the Recording Academy, shout out the Recording Academy, is that they are a nonprofit organization. They have 12 local chapters throughout the United States of America, and they do so many wonderful things for music creatives and music professionals, whether it is events, education, empowerment, fundraising, advocacy. Um, they really do their best to help out the music community. Now, this is not a sponsored ad. This is truly how I feel and what I've experienced myself. And anytime someone is aspiring to get into the music business and they say, yo, Letitia, how do I get in? I'm like, yo, you have to join your local chapter of the Recording Academy. And they are a huge part of my success in the music business uh, because of that internship that I did uh, the semester, the last semester of my senior year. Now, here's the thing about the music business um, that I think can throw college students for a loop. So if I have any college students out there, you want to pay attention to this. Um, it is not like investment banking or consulting. I've done career coaching at the University of Texas at Austin. And so I'm, I'm familiar with recruiting practices with companies and industries. And music, the music business is its own monster. You know, with investment banking and consulting, there is a definitive timeline. You will know what to do when. You will know how to prepare. You will understand the interview process, right? And you will probably have a job offer at a specific point in your uh, career as a college student. Not so with the music business. Um, in fact, the music business is really a place where you can create your own opportunity and things are not as definitive or on a timeline. Uh, but it does depend on the route that you go. If you go with an established company, an established label, or if you want to do more of like the indie startup space, I mean, you can have a plethora of experiences in the music business. Um, and I just want you to be prepared for that. And so it was my last semester, senior year. I did not have a job. <laughs> and at first it wasn't concerning to me uh, because probably because I'm a Sagittarius and I'm just naturally optimistic and I'm like, okay, cool. It's going to work itself out. And, and it did. Um, but I was, you know, sweating towards the end of this whole experience that I'm going to break down for you right now. And then I'm going to give you some words of wisdom to apply to your own life. I promise. Um, and you're going to get a good story too. So enjoy doing the dishes and enjoy your commute and just rock with me for a second. So, um, last semester, no job offers and I'm doing all the things. The music business is a relationship business. So a huge part of whether you are a singer, songwriter, producer, aspiring artist manager, tour manager, you work at a label, you should consistently devote time to building relationships. And I, and I prefer to say building relationships other than networking because networking to me sounds transactional. And yes, you know, we are here to do business. We are here to do deals. We are here to make things happen. But I truly believe that building relationships and building community is where it's at. And so I choose to frame it up that way because it feels more authentic and empowering and less transactional and sleazy and slimy, which the music business does have uh, some of that reputation. But um, you absolutely need to be building relationships. And so 
that was a huge part of my quote unquote recruiting strategy. I was, you know, meeting people at the chapter events. I was, you know, circling back. I was following up on job leads like, yo, this is Letitia. Like, you know, so-and-so said you might be looking for somebody. I was giving my elevator pitch to anybody who would, who would listen. I was refining it. I was doing everything that I knew to do at that time and everything that was available to me. Um, I don't come from money. I don't have a family that's connected or has music industry connections. I knew I was starting out at zero and I knew that any success that I was going to have, it was going to be in huge part because of me being proactive and me going out there and getting it and creating the opportunities and creating the connections because nobody was going to like hand it to me. And so I, I was well aware of that. And I'm like, you know, God, I'm going to do my part. Right. And I had the faith that in whatever way I was lacking or the connections I didn't have or the resources or the ideas or the opportunities or the job opportunities that God would fill in the gaps. So I believe in God. And, um, you know, I, I chose to always try to err on the side of positivity. Now, real talk, you don't have to do that. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to err on the side of positivity. Um, but what I have found with negative thinking and with, you know, getting down in the dumps is that it is really hard to be creative, charismatic, confident um, in that type of energy. Right. And those are the things that you need to um, to face a challenge or an obstacle that you're currently dealing with. Right. Like you need to be at your best. You need to be creative. You need to be charismatic if you're meeting people and building relationships. You need to be confident. Right. And it's really hard to do that if you're worried, stressed out, anxious, sad, scared. Now, I'm not saying you should not feel those things. You're a human being and you are designed to feel them. And I absolutely felt them throughout this entire period I'm telling you about. And I still feel it to this day because I'm human. And I had to develop specific tools that I talk about in my Mindset Mastery for Music Creatives and Music Professionals course that have helped me to feel those feelings, to process them and to transmute them so that I can then be free to feel something else and something more positive and shift into and focus on and prepare for what I'm creating in my career. And so, yes, you're going to feel those things, but it's what you do in that moment that's going to determine what happens next and how the story unfolds. I'm not saying that you can't feel that or that you shouldn't feel that. You absolutely will because you're human, uh, but you always have a choice in terms of what you give your focus to and what gets to take up space in your mind. Every thought that you think, you do not have to pay attention to. They literally can be like clouds in the sky and you get to hone in and zoom in on whatever you choose. And you get to tell yourself the story of your life. And are you going to tell an empowering story or are you going to tell a, um, a sad, depressed story? And the choice is always yours. Um, I think any marketing professional can tell you it's all about the spin. It's all about the story. It's all about the narrative and how you tell things. Um, you can either be the victim or the victor. And it just depends on the language that you use and the way that you interpret events. You are not failing. You are mid-conquer, right? So uh, it's mindset. And so at the time, I just chose optimism because it feels good. And so, you know, while I was in my last semester, I knew that the pressure was on 
I knew that I needed to find something. Um, if not, I was going to have to go back to my mama in Waco, Texas. Now, there's nothing wrong with Waco, Texas. Shout out Waco, Texas. I'm, I'm from Waco. I love Waco. And uh, Waco is not a hub for the music business, right? And so I knew I wanted to be in the music business, so I needed to be where the music is happening. And I wanted it. <laughs> I didn't want to go back to my mom's. I wanted to... Uh, show everybody like, Hey, I got this great degree and now I'm making my dreams come true. Um, and so I, I did feel an internal pressure. What ended up happening is that, um, at the time, one of my coworkers was pregnant and she was about to go on maternity leave and it lined up perfectly with graduation. So I was asked to cover her maternity leave, which was pretty much that summer after graduation. And it had a definitive deadline, like, yo, she's coming back to work on this date. This will be your last date. So I was like, okay, great. This buys me some time. Like, I'm going to keep, you know, believing in my dreams, backing my dreams with action, backing my action with faith, and just trusting that God's going to fill in the gaps. Rinse and repeat over and over again. And I'm just going to, you know, have faith that come what may by this deadline. I think it was like Thursday, August 8th or something, um, <laughs> that it would come to pass. I had to believe that. Right. Um, and so <laughs> what ended up happening is after I graduated, I moved into student summer housing on campus at Agnes Scott. And that housing did not last the entire duration of my time with the Recording Academy because they had to get ready for the new school year and the new students coming in. And so I spent the summer the majority of the summer in student summer housing. And then I moved to a suburban lodge, which is one of those like pay by the week hotel type things with a, a kitchenette. And I think I paid for like two or three weeks in advance. And <laughs> it was, that's when I started feeling the pressure because it was getting towards the end of my time in music. And at the time I was dating a guy and he had bought a one-way ticket to Atlanta. And it was like, I have no idea where we're going to move you, but we're going to move you somewhere. And so that he had already purchased the ticket. So that even that had a, a date on it and nothing was happening. And I was doing all the things. And I can remember every night I would lay in bed and cry myself to sleep in prayer like, God, why is this not working? Why is it not happening? What am I doing wrong? You know, what is it that I should be doing that I don't even know that I should do? And I'll do it, God. Just just tell me what to do. Help me. I need a miracle. I, I want this so badly. I've wanted this since I was four years old and I can't not want it. Like I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it and, and really like being in that energy of, of wanting something so badly and it's not happening. I'm like, please just give me a chance. Like, I'm not even asking you to make it easy. Just give me a chance to work in the business. I will do the rest. I will not complain. I will put in the work. Just please, please, please give me a chance. Help me because I don't see how this is going to happen because I don't, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm building relationships, but I don't have a huge network and, you know, I, I don't have money. Like I, I got to figure something out by a specific date. Right. So it's not even a this can happen in, you know, however many weeks like God, my job ends on August 8th. Right. And, you know, he's flying in on like August 9th and to pack me up. Where am I going? I have no idea. 
and I don't want to go home because I'm going to feel like a failure. I just got this amazing education. Um, and I want to make my mom proud for all the sacrifices that she's made for me on and on night after night. This was my conversation with God over and over and over again. And, you know, again, in, in a, in a plane that's being built, have no idea where it's going, have no idea how the story is going to turn out. Now, newsflash, I don't, I don't want y'all to get like, oh my God, like everything turned out great. Right. My mic's down here. So I'm being recorded both audio and, and visual. So I'm trying to explain to both of y'all what's going on. So <laughs> as life would have it, a local businesswoman had approached the Atlanta chapter about partnering on an event for Latino musicians. You see, at the time, the Latino population in Atlanta had exploded. So the idea was if there's more Latinos, there's got to be more Latino musicians that need support and programming. And so, you know, my supervisor at the time was very interested in this and says, yeah, like, let's, let's do this. Let's explore this. And she didn't know anything about the Latin music business. And so I did, <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny. I'm going to, I'm going to go off on a tremendo tangent and I'm going to bring it back. Um, looking back, all of the dots connect clearly in my path. And I see the divine intelligence woven through all of it. Okay. So my mom was honestly, Mama Terry, shout out my Mama Terry. I love you, mom. Um, was honestly the first A&R in my life and taught me to love and appreciate so many different genres of music. So she was really into Tejano music. And now that I'm older and, and a mom myself, I look back and I'm like, oh, that that wasn't normal <laughs> because she and my maternal grandparents and I, you know, age four, five, six, seven, eight, would go to different gigs of the bands that they loved in Tejano music. And we would be at nightclubs and bars. And here I am as a four-year-old at these gigs. And it was completely natural. I was with my family. It's not like I was ever in a precarious situation, but I can remember going backstage and I can remember meeting artists and I can remember, you know, being on stage and, you know, Gary Hobbs singing a song or meeting Joe Lopez of Grupo Mas, or um, they were really big into the Tejano Music Awards. I recently, another tremendo tangent, I recently just watched the um, Selena series on Netflix and, you know, I have my thoughts about it, but one of the things that I will say that I absolutely loved about it is that it captured a very specific time in Tejano music in Texas. And it just brought back so many memories for me of my life back then, because they reference like all of the Tejano music awards. Well, we would go to that in San Antonio every year. And Selena was a huge part of my upbringing. Um, I've, I've loved her since I was four years old. And so um, all of that contributed. And it, and it never dawned on me that that's probably in my origin story where the seeds were planted of being in the music business. I can just remember making the decision at four years old saying, I want to be in the music business. Um and it was the environment, it was the exposure, it was the love that my mom had for music. 
and, um, you know, seeing artists, seeing Tejano artists perform and going to award shows, it just was a, a preview of what was to come for me. And I, it's, it's again, the dot, that dot was connected when I watched the series. I was like, yeah, oh, you know, now that I'm a mom, that's not normal behavior. And I wouldn't do that with my kid, but no wonder I wanted to be in the music business. Um, but that was a recent connection that I made that I hadn't made before that when I tell you my story, you're like, yeah, of, of course you would turn out this way. Right. So, um, you know, I grew up with a love of Latin music. I can also remember uh, my grandfather had in in my grandparents' room a box for music choice. And it was a special thing that they paid extra for. I think it was associated with the cable. I think it's still a thing, um, but it was a specific box that you had to pay for. And it had like however many channels of music. And I want to say it was channel number 14 was the tropical station. And I used to love to like flip through all of the different channels because it had 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and it had this tropical station. Now, um, my family is Mexican, Mexican-American. And so, of course, you know, I grew up with Tejano music, cumbia music, Mexican music, um, but nobody in my family listened to tropical music, right? My last name is Puerto Rican. Now we're really in off off the um, off the uh, the topic. But again, I want to give you context as to what's coming up next and and all of these things that God has been sharing with me. Um, but I wasn't tapped into any type of Puerto Rican roots. But when I heard um, channel, I think it was channel fourteen, and it was tropical music. It spoke to me. And it, you know, it, it just, it called to me and nobody else in my family was interested in it, but me. And I can remember watching, you know, cause we would watch all the award shows like Premio Lo Nuestro, um, on Univision. And, um, I can remember always being so obsessed with Celia Cruz, with just the, the boldness and the, the outfits and the presence and the, the, Oh my gosh, like, of course she's the queen of salsa. I mean, there's nobody like Celia Cruz. And so I can just remember loving that music. Um, and then my life changed really with a song. And I was, oh God, I can't even remember how old I was. But I was, it was a, I think it was like a random Saturday because I was home from school. And I was walking from my room to the kitchen and the living room was kind of in between those two, two spaces. I think I was taking something back to the kitchen and in the living room, the TV was on and it's on some random station. I don't even think anybody was in the living room at the time. And so I'm walking to the kitchen and I hear a song and I'm like, what is, what is that? And it made me stop in my tracks. It made me go to the living room, to the TV. And it was this random Dallas station and a random TV show. Like I don't even, I had never seen that show and I don't think I ever saw it again. And it was a Dallas station and we didn't even get like a clear signal. So the, the image was kind of fuzzy, but I could hear the audio really well. And it's these three dudes and they're singing a song and the lead singer 
has purple hair. And I am like completely mesmerized. I'm like, what is this? What is this? You know, I'm not a singer, but, but, and I'm like, oh my God. And then, you know, the announcer comes on and they're like, you know, DLG, Dark Latin Groove, new album, Swing On in stores now. And I'm like, oh my God, like, let me write this down. Now, mind you, this is before smartphones. This is before, I didn't have a computer. I think computers were a thing, but I didn't own one. I'm from, you know, Waco, Texas. Mom, you know, raised me on an $18,000 annual salary. We ain't had no computer like that or, you know, internet connection, one, no Google. And so I wrote it down and I'm like, did I hear that right? Was it DLG? Was it Dark Latin Group? So I go to Hastings, which was a store back then that sold music, magazines, books, and you could also rent movies. It was a like a one-stop shop. And so I look in like the little Latin section and it's all primarily Mexican music because of where I was in Waco, Texas. And so they didn't really have a tropical section at all. I mean, and you know what, you young people and, and all of you people just accustomed to having a whole catalog of music at your fingertips. There was a point in time, and this is, I'm, I'm saying this because I hope one day Lyric will watch this and she'll be like, mom, um, there was a point in time where if you didn't live in a specific market where a type of music was popping, you had to go through hell and high water to get access to that. I know this because that's what happened to me. So we, um, I go and I look, it's not there. So I special ordered this CD um, and I'm like, oh my God, when is it going to get here? And let me tell you, I've listened to Swing On thousands of times in my life and I would give anything to go back to the first time I heard it and the way that it made me feel and the way that it changed my life, the whole album from start to finish. And um, yeah, it changed my life. And and the thing about CDs, and, and again, this was something that I appreciate now as an adult, you know, I would make my own mixtapes, right? Like I had this I had this little uh, radio uh, sound system. It wasn't nothing fancy. I shouldn't even call it a sound system. But it had the five CD spinner. It had the two cassette tape things and it had a radio. And um, I would customize my own mixtapes. Like the the track listing had to be perfect. And if I was making it on a cassette, um, you know, the cassettes used to be 30 and 60 and I think maybe even 90, but you had to time it just right. Like I was not going to have side A run out in the middle of a song. So I had to know the lengths of the songs as well. So it was a whole meticulous thing that I would spend hours doing. And I would transcribe lyrics in my notebook, um, either just listening to them from like the radio or from a CD or from a cassette or, you know, listening on the radio itself. And so I love, even to this day, even though it's not really a thing and I haven't looked at one in forever, I love liner notes. I love out, you know, like reading the, I used to love it when it would be a booklet and you would open it up and it would have the lyrics and it would have the songwriting and publishing information and I would study it. Right. And so I can remember studying um, the swing on liner notes and like, okay, well, who played trombone? Who played this? Who played that? Sir George Productions. Um, and that sent me down a rabbit hole because from there it was like, all right, cool. Like I got to get the first album, you know, with the No Morida single. And then when they came out with the third album, Gotcha and Huey Dunbar had his solo album and it exposed me to Sergio George's catalog. And so, you know, from there it was like, 
really falling in love with Mark Anthony and La India and Tito Nieves and Frankie Negron and Victor Manuel and going down this um, rabbit hole of tropical music. And it was the Sergio George discography. And another thing that I did um, that I didn't realize that I was doing, and I recently connected the dots on this as well as I was reflecting to sort of the time period and my dreams of wanting to be in the music business is I created a vision board. And what I did was, much to the chagrin of my family, I plastered and I, I got to find like pictures of it to see if I can show you. But I literally surrounded myself with pictures of everyone who was anyone in the Latin world. I needed to see and I needed to be immersed in and surrounded by pictures of people who looked like me and came from where I came from or had their raices and and. and their background in like Spanish speaking cultures. I needed to be surrounded by them and I needed to see their greatness every day because, you know, my 3D reality wasn't that. I'm so grateful for how I grew up. I love being from Waco, but if you're from Waco, you know what's up. And, you know, going to to Waco High School and, and kind of being exposed to, to some of the stuff at a young age, um, I knew that I needed to keep my mind right and keep my mind focused on my dreams because it's so easy to slip into like a hood mentality. And, you know, I'm very blessed. I had a family that loved me and cared for me, invested in me and cared about my education and really pushed me um, to to put education first. But a lot of kids that I grew up with, they didn't have that. And so I just felt this need that even though I didn't see it in my 3D reality, if I could cut out all these pictures of all of these great Latin musicians and artists and actors, that it was somehow like like osmosis, you know, like like come to me. And there was a magazine and I promise like I'm going to land the plane, but I'm going to give I'm going to give you everything in this episode. Um, there was this magazine that I just I loved Urban Latino and they did have that uh, in stock at Hastings. And so I would always go uh, pretty much weekly to see if there was a new issue, even though, you know, I knew it wasn't. I just wanted to go see if there was something I had missed. And I remember in particular, there was this urban Latino magazine cover and it was a fold out and it had all of these artists and they all were in white t-shirts and jeans. And it was like DLG, Tito Nieves, Frankie Negron, Charlie Cruz, Sergio Vargas, um, and some other people. And then there was Sergio George, but I didn't even realize that Serge was in the picture until, you know, years later. I love the picture. So what I did was I cut it out and I put it on my door. And so I passed by this picture for years and didn't think nothing of it. Like I wasn't like, quote unquote, manifesting. I just put it on my wall, like the picture. I, I love the artist, put it there. And every day for years while I was still living, you know, at the house, every time I walked in and out of the room, I passed by that picture. Well, Lord and behold, as my grandma would say, 
it turns out with the exception of a few of the artists or groups that, you know, they, by the time I came into the business, they were no longer together. I worked with every single artist, including Serge in that picture. And I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know that I was manifesting. I didn't know about visualization or vision boards or all of that. I just knew that I needed to see it. And that is why representation is so important because people need to see what's possible and it helps to expand the vision of their life that they have for themselves. That's why Selena is so important to me because she, not that we look alike, but she was brown like me. She could have been my cousin. She could have been my sister. She could have been my, my tia. And there she was in a male-dominated genre like Tejano music. For all of the grupos and all of the solo male artists in Tejano music, it was like um, Selena, Shelly Lares, Laura Canales. Like it, it wasn't a lot of a lot of women repping and in the same numbers as men in that genre. And so to see her up there and to see her in her power and to see her be so talented and so charismatic. Now I'm really going off on a tangent. I needed that. And that's why it's so important for um, music people and especially people of color to really um, take their place. And whether it's a seat at the table or you build your own table, because there's a little girl in Waco, Texas watching you. Oh, Lord, I'm feeling emotional, yo. But these are all the things that have been um, kind of coming up for me this week. And so what I'm about to say next, after all of this tremendo buildup, you're going to laugh, but I never saw myself going into Latin music. <laughs> like when I was a senior in college, I wanted to be in hip hop R&B. I love And even to this day, love hip hop and R&B. That was my world. So in my mind, I was thinking, okay, I'm gonna stay in ATL. Maybe I'll go to New York or maybe I'll go to the West coast to LA. OK, Latin music, never, never. It was something I loved. It was a passion of mine, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to go be in the Latin music business. OK, um, I just knew I loved it and I studied it religiously and it was a huge part of who I am, you know, culturally and musically. Uh, but never isn't that funny. It never occurred to me. And, and as you learn more about me and and if you've known me for a while, you know, my history, you're like, how, how sway, like, how is that even possible? But it was the truth. Like it was not on my radar in any way, shape or form. So fast forward to the, um, summer with the recording Academy, you know, we're putting together this event, um, for Latino musicians and, you know, she, you know, my supervisor doesn't know anything about the Latin world. And I'm like, I can help with that. Like I can create a, a, a wish list. Oh my God. So everybody who was anybody in the Latin world at that time got probably got a personal email from me, like, please come to this event and come and sit on our panel. And of course, Sergio George is at the top of that list because clearly, you know, he uh, was the mastermind behind so many of these fundamental songs that are absolutely on the soundtrack of my life and my career. And so um, I think the office manager for SGZ Records, which was his record label that he had with George Zamora at the time, you know, hit me up. Hey, what's up, Ileana? I don't know if she'll ever hear this, but Ileana Garcia um, sends an email and is like, yeah, you know, Serge will participate. Okay. 
like, yay, great. Have this like beautiful lineup of Latin executives and creatives. And um, the event comes and I'm, I'm like legit feeling the pressure at this point because I don't have a job. And it was Vivalo. That was the name of the event. Vivalo, you know, the weekend before my last day. So it was Friday, Saturday was the event. And then that Thursday, I didn't have a job. And again, my boyfriend at the time, I, you know, had booked a one-way flight. Like, we're going to move you somewhere. You got to go somewhere. Uh, had no idea where that was going to be. So I'm feeling the pressure. Um, but it's funny because even though I was feeling the pressure again, it never occurred to me that this could be a great networking opportunity to get a job in Latin music. It, it was completely not on my radar. (laughs) And so, you know, the only thing that I cared about when it came to the event was that it went off without a hitch that all of the speakers and the people who had traveled there had a great experience and were able to share wisdom with the attendees who had paid to be there. So I was just completely focused on the event itself. And so Serge spoke at, I think it was the Saturday event and, you know, the doors hadn't opened yet. And everybody that was participating was kind of in this little green room area. And so I go in there and I'm talking to everybody. Are you okay? Do you need water? And so I get to talking with him and it's like, Hey, I'm Sergio. Hi, I'm Letitia. Of course, of course I know you're Sergio George, but okay. Um, and, you know, being nice, you know, when you, you're networking and, and you're being polite, like, oh, so what do you do, Letitia? And <laughs> I laugh because, number one, I just had this youthful audacity, this optimism that comes from not having been, you know, kicked down by life up, to that, up until that point, right? And also just a desperation. And I, I don't even know what came over me. Um, and it's something that if, if the same situation were to go down right now in 2023, I would not say it. Um, but in the moment it was like, I'm bold, I'm courageous. I have nothing to lose. And I, I really need something and something just came over me and I'm like, well, you know what? After next Thursday, I don't have a job. Are you going to hire me? Ha ha ha. I don't know. And so um, he looks at me strangely. He's like, okay. okay." And he's kind of like nodding his head and like, what the hell is this girl's problem? And he's like, I may have something. And I'm like, yeah, okay. You may have something. I thought he was just being nice, you know, polite thing to say. And so event goes on. And then after the event, we all go to Justin's, which was a restaurant that Diddy had in ATL. And it was just one long table. And at my end of the table, it was Sergio Leila Cobo, who is like the Latin music royalty over at, at Billboard and Maria Meyer, who um, worked with Soraya, may she rest in peace. And so that, that was our table. And it was funny because Serge was like low key trying to interview me. You know, he starts asking me what I know about publishing and, and song splits and label copy. And you know how much I knew about that? zero. I ain't know nothing about that stuff. And, you know, he's trying to ask me, you know, what do I know, you know, business wise. And I can just remember looking at him dead in his eyes and saying, Serge, I don't know any of that, but I know I can learn. I know I'm going to work hard. I know that I just need the chance. And again, he just kind of looked at me like, okay. (laughs) And then he stopped. And, you know, literally within a week. So I met him that Saturday 
And then I want to say that Monday or Tuesday, I followed up with him and he put me in contact with uh, Mike Rivera, shout out Mike Rivera, who um, kind of coordinated things and was like, all right, cool. Well, then, you know, you can start at the studio. Serge is going to be working with a young artist uh, doing her project. And, you know, you can be the production coordinator on that. I didn't even know what a production coordinator was. So for those of you who don't know what a production coordinator, I don't even know if they still have this, but the production coordinator coordinates all of the details associated with recording an album. So that could be, you know, booking musicians, booking studios, you know, managing the production schedule, any travel, any uh, hotel accommodations, per diems, you know, keeping up with invoicing, the budget of it, how much we're going to pay this person, uh, negotiating with them, pretty much anything that needs to get done. And so, um, yeah, I think that phone call might have taken place Wednesday. Thursday was the last day of work at the Recording Academy. Friday, my boyfriend at the time flew in and Saturday, no, not Saturday. He flew in that Friday or maybe it was Thursday evening. Doesn't even matter at this point. But that Friday we got a U-Haul because I didn't have like a lot, a lot of stuff, but it couldn't fit in my car. So we got the smallest U-Haul hitched up my car and went down to Miami. But here's the thing. At this point in time, there is no smartphones. There's no Google Maps. I literally went to the computer room in the writing center at Agnes Scott College and printed out MapQuest.com directions. And it was like Agnes Scott or no, it was the Suburban Lodge um, to Miami. I didn't even have an address. It was like, make your way to Miami. We'll let you know where to go. I said, all right, cool. You know, I told Serge, I'm like, listen, as long as, cause he was like, you know, you can work on this project. We'll put you up at a, a spot. It's not going to be fancy. I'm like, yo, as long as there's hot water and ain't no roaches, I'm good. Cause that, that's just what it was. And so, um, and that's, that's truly what it ended up being, but I'm not hating. I was just, I was just stoked to be there. And, um, <laughs> so print out these directions and we'll get into the U-Haul and start driving down. OMG, tremendo storm. The It rained the entire way. And every significant point in my life that has been major for me, it rains. So to me, rain is a good omen. I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> at the time, I was like, oh my God. So what should have been like a 10-hour drive turned into a 14-hour drive because... Um, <laughs> because the windshield wipers on U-Haul didn't work. So when it started downpouring a lot, the dang windshield wiper was going to come off. So we would have to pull over and wait for it to subside, which added on like four additional hours. So by the time we get there, it's like three o'clock in the morning. And mind you, the drive itself was just a huge bummer. There was no, the radio didn't work. There was no CD player. I think I had to go back into the storage and pull out my boom box and plug it in with the auxiliary cable so that we could have some music. So it's like sitting in my lap and I'm playing CDs the whole time. I didn't care. We was, we was going to Miami and I had a job and that was it. But when I think back to all the stuff, all of the shenanigans, I'm like, okay. So anywho, um, by the time we get into town, I, I had called Serge earlier. I'm like, hey, you know, the weather's bad. You know, he's like, all right, cool. Well, here is the phone number for the engineer that we're working with, uh, Jake Tanner. 
when you get into town, just call him. He'll meet you. He'll give you, you know, what you need to check in and then tell you where to go. So poor Jake, shout out Jake Tanner. Um, he, he, I didn't get there till like three or four o'clock in the morning. And we met at a like CVS parking lot, uh, in Miramar, Florida. I had no idea where I was. And he gives me this plastic bag and it's got like the keys to the place I'm staying. It's got like a, a random TV remote. And I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, all right, bye. I'm like, wait a minute, but where am I going? Mind you, I've never been to South Florida before. It's not like I could just program the address in the Google Maps. And he's like, oh, well, I think if you just go down that road, which was like the A1A or something, and, and you just keep heading south, you'll eventually see it on the left. And then he just got in his car and peaced out. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> what, what, is, what is happening? And so, um, and we get in the, we get back in the U-Haul you know, we get on the road and eventually there it is on the left-hand side, the Varadero beach resort in Aventura, Florida. It no longer exists. It's, it's like a condo spot now. Um, and I'm like, thank goodness, because we're going on pretty much 24 hours of no sleep. We're exhausted. So we pull in. Well, next thing you know, the security guard comes out and is like, you can't park here. You cannot park this vehicle here. And I'm like, oh, my God. So we're like, well, can we at least unload everything and then, you know, go take it back to the U-Haul? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. So we then spend the next like two, three hours unloading this U-Haul. And it wasn't like big furniture pieces. It was really like three hours of knickknacks because I save everything. Um get everything into the U-Haul. I mean, get everything into the, the spot. And it's a studio with like a Murphy bed. I wasn't tripping. And again, it had hot water, no roaches, a little kitchenette. Perfect. Um, so my boyfriend at the time immediately like, you know, no, sorry, I'm, I'm omitting a thing. So we, we get everything in. And by this time it's probably about, I don't know, eight o'clock. Um, and so it's like, all right, cool. Well, we might as well just go and find this U-Haul. And we're not from there. We ain't got no internet access, no idea how this is going to pop off. So he's like, well, you know what? What we could do is like, let's, you follow me. I'll drive the U-Haul, go to the gas station. I'll fill up, you know, gas. And then when we go into the store, we could ask the, the guy, does he know, or the person, do they know how to get to the U-Haul? All right, cool. So that's what we do. Go get the gas, get inside the store and um get up to the attendant and it's it's you know a, a man and it's uh, you know like excuse me sir could you tell us where to you know find the nearest u-haul and so he's he's speaking english but you can tell he speaks spanish and we speak spanish we're from texas yay so you know ay perdón señor nos puede decir you know donde se encuentra el u-haul más cercano mira lo que tú vas a hacer and then he starts talking, brother, tú no te vas a... and, you know, at this point, I've been up for over 24 hours straight. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Um, I wish that there had been, <laughs> I wish that there had been somebody recording me because I would have loved to see the expression on my face because I literally just, I shut down. I was just like, and my boyfriend at the time, he's like shaking his head. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, una derecha. Ah, okay, 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 gracias. We walk out that thing. I say, you didn't understand a got darn thing that that man said. He said, nope, get in your car, let's go. 
hard. And so um, he did understand some stuff and it was like, you know, go down. You should see it like 163rd or something. So we find this U-Haul, drop it off. Thank God. Head back to the Vada Beach Resort. And, you know, that's when we get to the spot. And, you know, my boyfriend at the time, he just like zonks out on the bed. He's exhausted. I'm like, yo, let me, you know what? Let me take a shower. So I take a shower. By this time, it's probably about 10 o'clock. And while I'm in the shower, I miss a call from Serge. And it's like, oh man, Serge called him. He, you know, hey, what's up? Like, you got in okay? I'm like, yeah, you know, we got in late because of the weather. He's like, all right, cool. Well, you know, uh, we have a session, you know, starting at, you know, 1130 or 12 or one. I can't remember. Um, And, you know, Hector is going to come and he's going to pick up the artist because she's staying in the same spot. And he's going to, you can follow him and he can show you how to get to the studio. I said, all right, cool. So the next thing you know, you know, I'm like, dang. So I, you know, start getting ready. I didn't, in other words, I didn't sleep. I literally got to Miami and did what I had to do. And then went straight to the studio and said, all of a sudden it's like a, a knock at the door and I opened the door and there was the second coming, coming of Ricky Martin. Hector, Hector, one of my favorite people. I, I'm, I'm in the process of getting him on the podcast because he he has gone on to do amazing things in Latin music. I'm so proud of him. And but in the time I opened the door and here is Ricky Martin. He had the long hair, the Maria Maria hair. I think at the time he had like a baseball cap to the back and jeans and T-shirt. Very, very Hector at the moment. He's like, hi, I'm Hector. I'm like, oh, I'm Letitia. He's like, all right, cool. Well, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna get the artist and, and you can follow me to the studio. And, and that was it went, you know, to Hit Factory Criteria in North Miami, where a lot of great records have have been um, created and got to work. And, you know, I can remember, you know, calling Mike on the phone and he said, all right, cool. These are the producers. These are the musicians. This is where we are. This is what you need to do. And we were on the phone for like one to two hours. And I had a, a yellow legal notepad and I was just like furiously taking notes and I just felt I I mean I I can't even I I wasn't even making no money off of this right and I just was so grateful and even to this day I'm still so grateful um I learned so much in a short amount of time and you know ended up going on to work at and the thing was, it was a trial basis, okay? Because he didn't know my work style. I didn't know his work style. It might not have worked out. So it was like, you can help with this project. It'll probably be a four-week recording. We're going to record our album. And then I guess we'll see from there. And so after that, so then towards week three or four, it still wasn't a certain thing. Um, and I had no idea, like, okay, well, am I going to stay in Miami? Am I And am I going to end up after all this back in Waco, Texas? Again, still in the plane, flying the plane, plane is being built. I have no idea. But I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do the best that I can. And so I ended up, um, they ended up offering me a position at SGZ Records, the label that he had with George Samora at the time. Shout out George Samora. And, and, and the rest, as they say, is history. And really, um, and I could go on and on and on, but we're already almost at an hour. But what I want you to get, I want you to get a couple of things from my story. If, if I could curate a, a, <laughs> a list of uh, wisdom for you. Number one is 
God is a God that is on time. And it's not going to happen before or after. It's going to happen right when it needs to. And you have to trust. Number one, that's a huge thing. You have to have the faith that your dreams are worth having and they are yours because they've been given to you. And you don't have to justify them. You don't have to shrink them. They are divine. They've been given to you by God. Um, And you have to back those dreams with action. Dream big, but wake up and then make those dreams come true. You can't just be on your couch, Netflix and chilling. You got to actually participate in the creation of your life. So dream big, back those dreams with action, back that action with faith and trust that in whatever ways you're lacking, God can fill in the gap and come through in a way that you could never even imagine. And it's way better than you expected. And then number two, the answer might be right in front of you. Because like I said, Latin music was never on my radar, right? Again, even when I was thinking about geography, I was thinking, okay, New York, Atlanta, LA, Miami never entered the equation. And as I've shared with you my story, I have no idea why it wasn't on my radar, right? It was just, and it should have been, it probably should have been number one based on the way that I grew up, based on my passion for it, based on my experience with Latin music, with tropical music. And it wasn't. And so I want you to consider that there's a divine intelligence guiding your life and that the information, the insight, the connections, the opportunities, the job opportunities, the money, the resources will appear at the right moment and it won't be a moment before or a moment after. So that insight about Latin music, yeah, I see it now. I see it clearly, but, but back then it wasn't on my radar and it was like, it came out of left field, even though it makes complete sense. But at the time I was like, Oh, well, this is random, but it wasn't random. Um, and then number three, focus on the preparation right? Yes, you are human. And anytime you are creating a life or a reality that is very different from what you're currently living, you will have all of the human experiences. You're going to be sad, frustrated, overwhelmed, scared, stressed, worried, anxious. You're going to experience all of that. And you absolutely need to have the tools and the process and the mindset and the framework to deal with those. Don't try to push through it, sweep it under the rug, pretend it's not there. Yes, feel your feelings and then process them, listen to them, sit with them. And in the moment, and you'll know when the moment comes, you can let them go and you're free to feel something else. And it is about shifting your focus back. Shifting your focus back to God, back to your dreams, back to what you're creating, because your superpower as a human being on this earth is your attention. What you focus on expands. What you think about, you bring about. So if you want more of your 3D reality, focus on what's going on now. Focus on the drama. Focus on the lack. Focus on what's here and now. But if you truly want to create the life and the career and the music of your dreams, you cannot spend too much time on what is here. It is always what is to come. And your best, the best thing that you can do with your energy and your time and your focus is to prepare for what you're praying for. And that's the energy that I've been sitting in 
since my conversation with Sergio this past um, Tuesday is prepare for what you pray for because Lord forbid opportunity knock at the door and you're still in your pajamas and you haven't even brushed your teeth yet because what's going to happen is you'd be like, wait, hold on, give me five minutes. Opportunity is going to go knock on somebody else's door. Like you have to be ready to answer the call. And it literally happens so fast, right? Like I met Serge on a Saturday. My last day of work was that next Thursday. And literally two days later, I am pulling up to a studio in Miami, Florida to start work as a production coordinator. Now you best believe I was sweating bullets all up until uh, that moment. But uh, I was ready, right? Like, I'm like, yo, I got the U-Haul reserve. Where are we going? Um, and you have to have that approach because again, you don't want to get caught slipping. So whether you are a songwriter or a singer or a producer, or you aspire to work in the business of music, whether it's as a production coordinator or as a, you know, in marketing or artist management, tour management, um, you have to set yourself up for success and you have to build relationships, right? Huge part of it. You have to start creating mastery in the skills that you want to be known for. So you need to understand if I want to be an artist manager, artist managers know they have this certain knowledge and they have these certain skills. And you have to look at where you're at now. And in any way that you're lacking, that's your homework whether it's building up industry knowledge, whether it's building up specific skills that you might not have ever done or you're not that great at, um, and focusing your time and energy on that. And, and again, preparing. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. You have to stay in that energy. And so, you know, I'm, I'm super excited. The next episode after this one will be the Sergio George interview. I need to actually edit it and get it ready. Um, but I'm so excited that you get to see some of our conversations and the way that he just shares, you know, perspective and wisdom. And you know what? There may be things that he says or that we talk about that you don't agree with it. And that's completely fine. Again, you are capable of creating a life, a belief system, a career that is 100% authentic to you. What I will ask is that we have a constructive dialogue and that you keep kindness in the comments because I ain't with the shits. Pardon my French. Um, and, you know, that you allow yourself to really digest the information without coming into it with ego. Like, well, these are my beliefs and this is certain and this is right and you're wrong. That never gets you anywhere. Um but I'm, I'm super excited that, you know, his words of wisdom have the ability to bless you where you're at now. And I hope that it's a word that you need to receive. And what I hope that you get from our time together, this hour that you've been rocking with me is that God is listening. God cares. There's a divine intelligence and a divine timing that is driving the unfolding of your life. And as you are on this plane, you can trust that everything is going to work out this or something better. So I want you to dream big. I want you to wake up, make those dreams come true. And again, back your dreams with action, back your action with faith and let God fill in the gaps. And I just wanted to share a specific part of my story to illustrate that. So leave a comment, share this. If you found value in it to amplify the reach of this message, share it with somebody who's in the music business. If you in the music business, um, 
even if you're not, I pray this is a blessing to you. Um, and if you are wanting to go deeper, I highly recommend taking my free course, but it's free, but you get so much out of it. It's called three mindset mistakes that music people make. And it's available over at LetitiaCottoPresents.com. If you click on courses, you'll see that it's a free course and you can sign up and take it today. But I talk a lot about some of the mindset shifts that you need to make as you step into your purpose and bring your dreams into fruition. Um, and again, it's completely free and it's dope. So you should take it. Um, I will see you next time on the Music Mastermind Podcast. Thank you for rocking with me. And uh, that's all I got. Now it's your turn. What is your greatest takeaway from this episode? And how will you incorporate that into your music career? Did you find value? Please like, follow, and share with a music colleague to amplify the reach of the Music Mastermind Podcast. We'll see you next time. Keep rocking.